Welcome to Real Talk Christian Podcast, where we drink coffee and have real conversations on faith, culture, and society. This is Mark Hyde and Chris Fuller. And on today's episode of Real Talk Christian, we are sitting down with Andrew Wood to talk about pro-life after birth. Hey, Fuller, are you ready to get educated? Let's go. Let's go. Mark, what's going on, buddy? Welcome back to the show, my dude. Hey, we're in a new year. It's time for some new guests. New year, new guests. <laughs> what, what, what is it? Near you, new year, new you? Is that kind of the classic? I, I'm a boomer. You're man. a boomer. Yeah, you don't know all these things. New year. I've heard new year, new do, new year, new you. Right. But we are into 2021, the dumpster fire of 2020. We've survived it. We've survived the great dumpster fire. The dumpster fire. The great dumpster fire of 2020. And let's just pray that 2021 is better than 2020. <laughs> okay. Have you seen the memes where people are always talking about where it's like, Nothing can be worse than 2021. And then Christians reading the book of Revelation. Right, like, looking like, like oh. oh boy, like this is going to be wild. But, but I'm excited for 2021, man. Definitely. We got a lot of crazy, amazing conversations lined up for the podcast 2021. We got some big changes in my life and coming in 2021. And then there's some big changes in your life coming 21. You guys are expecting baby number four, right? What? No, no. You're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to sleep hey, in Piper, a Piper, you're having a new brother. Piper and yeah, no, that'd be no. Janiel's gonna kill me for that. Yeah, she definitely will. <laughs> but anyways, man, let's. Oh uh, goodness, what are we drinking tonight? Yeah, dude. So okay, I want you to explain this one because you brewed the or roasted this. This specifically was, for me. This was roasted uh, about three and a half hours ago. So this is a, and we gr- we ground it up oh, right before we dumped the water fresh. in. Fresh. So this is the high grown Mexican, which is a RTC. Yep, that's family my favorite. fan favorite. And uh, but we added a little something, something, a little extra, you know, into it. And so we used a coffee flavoring oil, and it's called Santa's Secret Christmas Recipe. Santa's Secret so, Christmas Recipe. But, yeah, but it. What it, you do? Just like crack open a sugar cookie and like dump it on the, it, the coffee. You got it. <laughs> Tell you what, dude. I've <laughs> had I've had uh, Barney's Santa's White Christmas. That's probably my favorite White Christmas. There, the, the the one from the local farmers market. Right. It's I. It's I. Yeah. But dude, this is. This is nice. For your first experiment with Christmas. Well, no, no, sorry. We're past Christmas. For your uh, seasonal beverage. Right, right. You nailed right. it, bro. You absolutely. That's right. Man. I love That's it. Right. You so. absolutely nailed it. <laughs> so so Mexican high grown. I feel like maybe we should send this out to a listener. What do you think? Maybe we should I'm, pick a random person you know, and just I'm, send it out I'm, to them. I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking, yeah, let's, let's send it out. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll pick somebody to send it out to. How about this? The first person to email us after listening to this episode will get the free coffee. How about that? First person to email us. Good for me, man. At realtalkchristianpodcast at gmail.com. We'll give them the mini swag and throw in a little bit of coffee with it. That sounds amazing. Because I would say we would give it to a person who leaves a review, but we haven't had a review in a couple, like three weeks now. Well, no, a lot more episodes, but weeks since recording. Yeah. Yeah. So if y'all can do us a favor... Come on now. Just give us a review on Apple iTunes. You I, know, there a lot of people are finding us on Spotify now. Right. Actually, two people, one on Instagram, one on Facebook, they both like they 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 wrote us a comment and said they found us on Spotify. Right. So all those out in Spotify land, y'all the best too. But if you're on Apple Definitely. iTunes, just leave us a review, helps us or climb check the us. Rankings. If you don't know where to go, check us out on the website, realtalkchristianpodcast.com, yep. and we have every link that you could possibly imagine there. So Yeah, those let that sounds good. Well, hey, dude, let's not waste any more banter let's time. Let's not. get into the episode. Let's so today we are, well, I should say is I am beyond thrilled to bring this guy here. So um, I've been following him for a little bit now. In fact, um, you guys might remember, I hope you remember, you should remember Beth Schneider from episode 39. Um, she's the one who connected us with Andrew Wood. Because if you go back and listen to her episode, she said she was sitting in a pro-life service at her church. That's right. And there was some random dude who gave a beautiful message. And Beth said, why not me? And that started her journey into the foster care community and, the, and then adopting her five kids right. and starting that. So Definitely. tonight we have with us that exact preacher, Andrew Wood, with us tonight on the show. So Andrew, how you doing, man? 
I'm good, man. Being called preacher, that you really set the bar high. You like that one? Well, I mean, I didn't drop yeah. the the you know Russell Moore connections or the the Gospel yeah, Coalition well, connections yeah. or anything like that. Yeah, well, well you just didn't. No, I just did. Yeah, that's setting the bar high. I'm just uh, I'm just a dude from Tennessee that uh, God's that the Lord, You know that I just uh, I've, been, I've been blessed to have some opportunities to speak, and I was just excited. You know, when Beth reached out, I was just tickled that somebody listened to something I said. So, uh, so <laughs> she I apparently just, listened you know, to that, it five times over. I think she yeah, listened really, to it five yeah. times over and just didn't stop. <laughs> well, that's awesome. No, she's great, and and I love to watch uh, what she's been able to do and how God has used her with uh, with those little girls. It's it's been it's been quite amazing. I have a picture actually. We were at a I don't even remember what we were at. My wife and I were somewhere, and Beth was there with, I think it was uh, either her oldest or second oldest, but she was a baby baby at that point. And there's a picture of me uh, laying, and I fell asleep on a bench, and that little girl is laying on my chest. And I just thought, and, and look at where Beth has taken all of that uh, since then. It's been really cool to, to watch. Oh, I hear everybody going, Dude, oh, I know. That's like, <laughs> man, we hit a little awesome. happy tears at the six minute mark. Like yeah, that's just unreal, man. Well, hey, so, you know, just for the people that are out there listening, um, I mean, obviously Fuller and I know who you are, but probably most of the people here in our, our RTC family have no clue who you are, man. So tell us about yourself, your family and what you do. Well, first off, I think it's important that I tell you what coffee I was drinking. Oh, was we didn't yeah. ask. Oh, man. Yeah. So, so Black Rifle. Cold mm. brew is my latest, which is Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, I didn't know they had a cold brew. Uh, their cold brew is good, so highly recommend it. Um, and so that's what I'm, I'm a cold brew do. But I will say, since it's turned colder here in Tennessee, I have been drinking some hot stuff as well. But uh, but the cold stuff is is my go-to. Uh, as far as as far as who I am, uh, my name is Andrew Wood. I'm currently the executive director of Hope Resource Center, which is one of the largest pregnancy centers in the southeast, uh, located in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, I grew up in Middle Tennessee. For those of you not familiar with the state, that's how we refer to our state as West, Middle, and East Tennessee. So I grew up in Middle Tennessee, <laughs> south of Nashville. Uh, my dad is a dairy farmer, and so I grew up, uh, some would say out in the middle of nowhere. I say it's in the middle of somewhere full of somebody <laughs> people uh, because we're all made in the image of God. But, uh, but we grew up, that's where I grew up, in a, in a small town called Cornersville. Uh, graduated there, ended up uh, meeting my wife at community college. That's right. There's nothing wrong with community college. Good old community college. I went on and finished my bachelor's degree at uh, Middle Tennessee State University and my degrees in political science. And then we moved Mm -hmm. to Knoxville in 2008. And uh, my wife and I both started working at the University of Tennessee. Uh, While at the University of Tennessee, just really felt the Lord calling me to ministry and, and really felt that tug since I was about 18 years old, but never really, you know, my mom would say, I think you're going to be a pastor. And I would go, well, you think I was going to be in the NBA too. So let's not, <laughs> let's not go crazy. And, and so, um, and, and I was nervous that that, what I felt like was a call was more of my ego. I like to talk in front mm. of people. And so, uh, so I was real nervous about what that really looked like. And then I watched the video where John Piper explained, uh, you know, what, how do you how do you really sense the calling and everything you said in there? I was like, okay, that that appears that 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 I'm going in that direction. And so uh, I was working at UT full time and went to my supervisor who was a believer and said, I feel like I I, uh, I need to pursue this and, and go to seminary. Uh, and they allowed me to to go uh, on a flex schedule and, and take one day a week to go to a satellite campus of Southern Seminary uh, here in East Tennessee. And I didn't, I didn't finish, but while attending, uh, the church that I was going to uh, needed, had a need for a children's pastor. And, and so, again, because I was listening to pastors and, and sermons everywhere, I was listening to a Matt Chandler pa- uh, sermon, and he said, hey, if you feel called to, to be a pastor and there's an opening for a kid's pastor position and you say no, then I would question your call. And I was oh, like, okay, man. so here's a, here's a need, and, uh, and so I just— before thinking was like, well, if y'all need a kids pastor, I, I feel like I'm being called to ministry. I, I like kids and, you know, we have a couple. And so if, if, if I can help, <laughs> we have a couple. And so, <laughs> and so I became, I became the kids pastor at that church, which is where ultimately where Beth heard me speak. Uh, but she heard me speak while I was serving as executive director uh, at the, at the pregnancy center. So fast forward, I started at the pregnancy center in 2015 
Uh, my wife and I have been married since 2006. We have four kids. Uh, oldest is nine, a boy named Gavin. Uh, and then we have Summer, who is seven. And then we have Evelyn, who will be four in uh, just a couple weeks. And then we have Charlie, who is, uh, she'll be three in January. And so uh, about every two years, the Wood family pops out another baby. So that's just how it works. So you're, you're out of diaper phase then, huh? For we now. are so close, man. <laughs> we, are, we are so, so, so close. We, we've not been out of diapers for nine years. I know envy and, is, a, is a sin, but I'm kind of envious of you right now. <laughs> yeah, and we are, we are so close. Our youngest is potty training, and, and actually this morning uh, she woke up uh, and came into to the bathroom and said she needed to use the potty. Her diaper was – this is way too much information, but her diaper was dry all night hey. long. And, and so we are, we are so close so close to getting rid of that stinky diaper genie <laughs> that, that has lasted us for nine years and uh and we're moving along so awesome. we do drive a we do drive the wood family church van i drive a 12 passenger van and uh and it and that was my dream and so i have achieved that dream <laughs> you, you are living old, i mean so. you literally are living the dream yeah. of every person who was like i want to be a ministry with kids <laughs> <laughs> right right so let me ask you this then. So with what you do right now at Hope Resource Center, did you start Hope Resource Center or did you more so just take the reins? No, I, I more so took the reins. So okay. Hope was started in 1997 and uh, there was just a, one of the founders just believed there was a need in this community. We had, we're a college town here in Knoxville. There's multiple abortion clinics and he just felt like there was a need for a facility that was fully medical so that would do everything that an abortion clinic would do that didn't offend God. Mm-hmm. So, so having nurses and nurse practitioners on staff to, to fully offer reproductive health care without the abortion and birth control side of it. Uh, and so when a patient comes into Hope, they are sitting down with licensed, registered, paid staff, nurse practitioners and nurses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we believe that's the model that's ultimately going to shake things up and, and see us get to a place where abortion would be not just illegal, but unthinkable in a civilized society. You know, I didn't even think about that being in a college town. Cause like, you know, when I visited Beth in Knoxville, I actually, sure. you know, I actually stayed on campus there at UT, but I didn't think, but you would now looking at it, obviously the, the demographic for the age of those who would go and have abortions would most likely be party kids or not party kids. College, they probably do that too, but college yeah, kids, you know, too, yeah. So, um, so just before we even get into some of the tough questions, are there any super cool stories from Hope Resource Center that you would be able to share with us tonight? I mean, yeah, we could, I could spend hours doing that. I mean, we have, uh, it it really is amazing once you, you know, the the interesting thing about the pro-life movement is you have the advocacy, the advocacy side, which is more of a political side and, Hey, we need to get some changes legislatively or through the courts. And then you have the side of, the only way we're going to see this change is if we show the pictures. So that, that mindset is like, okay, the reason why the Holocaust and, and slavery ended was because we actually showed pictures of what was happening to people. So they mm. think if we show pictures of abortion, we'll ultimately change people's minds. Mm. Uh, and then you, have the, then you have kind of what I would call the front line, which is pregnancy centers, which are opening every single day, uh, operating on small budgets. And there's close to 3,000 of us all o- over the country. Uh, offering free services, pregnancy tests, ultrasounds, those type things, uh, depending on the size and, and the scope of their care. And, and so what's awesome about that is we have patients that come here uh, that they might have walked out of the abortion clinic. Or in the state of Tennessee, what you see is we have certain laws on the books that require, you know, a 48-hour waiting period. So you have to see an ultrasound and then wait 48 hours before you can have an abortion. So that gets them in the door of a pregnancy center or, or they saw us, you know, we, we have marketing. So they may see us on TikTok or Snapchat or, or Instagram. But, but the stories that, that have been amazing is watching patients come here and uh, who were, were really leaning toward, Hey, I, I'm not ready for this. I'm going to have an abortion. One of those being a student that was at UT, she was a nursing student. Her parents uh, were great. They were in, they were in church. They were, you know, supportive. Uh, and this, this goes to the lie that we tell ourselves. And so uh, this, this young lady found herself pregnant. Her boyfriend at the time said, uh, here's a thousand dollars, go take care of it. And which, wow. you know, she knew what that meant. Um, she was in denial. She was scared that her parents were going to disown her. 
even though they were supportive and, and, and loved her, she was still terrified to tell them that she was pregnant. She didn't tell anybody. And, uh, and the couple people that she did tell didn't really know how to react and, and what to do. And she said, so for a birthday present for her, she said, I'm just going to go see an ultrasound. I want to see what's going on. And so she came to Hope Resource Center. She laid on our exam table, and our nurse was giving her an, uh, an ultrasound. And when the image popped up on the big flat screen that we have on the wall, all our nurse did was look at her and say, congratulations. And, and this young lady said that one word uh, was a word that she hadn't heard yet and that it mm. was the one positive thing that anybody had said to her about the baby that was growing inside of her. And she says that's the word that changed it all for her. She ultimately chose life. She went through parenting classes. We gave her a baby shower. She graduated UT, became a nurse. She's now working at a, at a hospital in close to Chattanooga. She's volunteering at a pregnancy center in that city. And, 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 and she's been a great mom. And, and so we've seen uh, patients come through here that were, uh, you know, tough shells to crack and they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't open up. They wouldn't smile. They wouldn't cry. It was like just a, a very hard outer shell. And, and we're actually focusing on this story for our year-end piece coming up. And we pair this particular patient with one of the happiest ladies that I've ever met in my life, which was her mentor. And from the outside looking in, you would have thought this is never going to work. They could not be more different. And uh, the Lord just really cultivated a beautiful relationship in that. And, and then I was able to, we were able to throw a baby shower for this young lady. And I was able to pray over her. Uh, she actually opened up and she hugged our staff and, and cried with our staff. And we just saw the Lord do some beautiful things through that. And so uh, we've seen story after story of, uh, of the Lord working in this. And we've seen hard stories where ladies walk out of here and still go to the abortion clinic. Mm. Uh, but, but because we've had those relationships cultivated, they, they continue to come back to us. So they know that there's a place that they can call even after an abortion they can call us and they're going to be loved and served well uh, here. And, and we don't water down the gospel. We don't water down the truth of abortion, but we certainly let them know that the cross uh, covers sin. And, and that's why we're here today. And that's why uh, they're there as well. So, yeah, I was going to wait to do this to the end, but I think now's a good time to do this. Um, is there a way like, you know, Fuller and I were over here in Northern Indiana. Uh, we got people who actually one person just reached out to us. She lives in Ireland which is nuts. We okay. have people in Texas. We got people in South Africa. We have people all over the world. Um, now, obviously, the best thing to do is find your local pregnancy center and to be able to, sure. to, to either give financially Absolutely. or volunteer. But if people all of a sudden are like, you know what, Mark, I, I, I want to know more about Hope Resource Center and maybe even donate money or time or, or, or whatever. Um, is there a, the, like, what's the best way that people can get a hold sure. of either the Resource Center or for you for more, for more information? And the, and the best way to do that is investinghope.com. Just investinghope.com. You can find us on our website. We have uh, a blog there. We have a podcast. We have, uh, you know, stories will be posted there. You can also find my contact information there uh, as well. And so investinghope.com would be the best place. That's that's super cool. And hey, so before we get into the hard conversations though, because we got some we got some doozies. We we got some doozies. Yeah, well, I'm ready, man. Um, we had a uh, Fuller. It was a uh, one of your contacts. Yeah, it was one of my uh, my high school friends actually uh, that I was in a, a drama clamp uh, drama clamp drama class with uh, drama camp. Sounds very homeschoolery though, bro. Yeah, it was a drama camp. It really was. <laughs> but anyways, um, she was part of uh, the fem program over in Ohio. Do you guys uh, deal much with the fem? We do not. No, I'm not. Are you familiar with FEM? I'm not. No, sir. Oh, okay. Yeah, a uh, reason we bring it up, uh, Sarah Nass, we had her on the podcast episode. Oh, what number episode was she? I feel like oh, she was in the 20s it was or so, something like it that. Was um, basically, it was like fertility education okay. and medical management. Basically, right. it's like learning. Um, we were two dudes being very schooled in this way, but basically it's, it's w women learning their, their bodies and hormones and natural rather than birth control and stuff like that too. Right, right, right. And that's, and that's, uh, I'm familiar with that. Okay. And, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we are, you know, and we wrestle with the, the thought of, of birth control. There's a lot of opinions that go along with that. Uh, the Wood family just, uh, you know, we just to be completely transparent, my wife was on birth control when we first got married. And she wouldn't be upset that I would tell you this, but uh, she, she, it was not the woman that I married. Mm, it it right. completely changed her hormones. I mean, it, it, and she would admit to that. Yeah. Um, and, and so we've been, 
uh, you know, obviously we, we haven't had problems having kids, but <laughs> clearly birth control was not a, uh, clearly birth control was not a thing that we, we focused on at the Wood family, but, right. um, but, but yeah, there's differing opinions and, and, and there's a lot that goes along with that. What I would encourage people to do, regardless of where your opinion is, there, there's a lot of literature and books about truly what type of birth control, what it's made to do, right. uh, that, that I would highly recommend for Christians to, to dive into. I, I do think it's an important topic and it's not as easy as just, hey, go, go start taking this or not taking that. Right. Uh, I think it's important we, we do our research on that. So uh, just a quick question for you at Hope Resource Center. Do you guys, um, I mean, obviously it's, uh, most, most of the people that come in there are already pregnant. Um, right. Do you guys talk about contraceptives after the pregnancy is over with, uh, sure. with so people that come in? Yeah, our biggest, obviously our, our biggest uh, push is going to be abstinence. I mean, there's no... Right. Uh, there's no form that's 100 percent right. quite like not not laying down. And right, so, exactly. Um, and, and so that's we're going to push abstinence for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, our nurse practitioners have those conversations about uh, their options moving forward, what that looks like. We connect them with OBs and offices that can help with that. Uh, so yeah, our biggest thing is we want to make sure that they're having those conversations with us. We'd much rather them have a conversation with one of our Christian nurse practitioners or nurses. Right. than uh, a nurse or nurse practitioner inside of an abortion clinic uh, because that conversation is going to go very different uh, because we're, we're celebrating what marriage can be. We're celebrating what uh, the possibilities that are out there instead of saying, well, get on this and you can still achieve your dreams because you don't want a kid right now. Those are the things that we're not going to say uh, that an abortion clinic may say uh, because we believe, uh, which is counter to the culture, uh, that you can have your baby and your dreams. You don't have to pick one or the other. Right. Uh, right. And, I, and I think it, I think that's very important for people to to uh, get a grasp of. It, it's not about it's not pitting those two things against each other. You can have both of them. You really can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so bouncing off that though, man. So you know, with this whole idea, it sounds like you guys and, and I know this also because of Beth. I mean, parent Beth says you guys throw legit the best baby showers of all time like bad bad <laughs> that's, good, man. that's what she t- and you guys don't take used stuff you guys only give nope. moms new like n- no yeah. crap no crap allowed type type stuff yeah, um it's all brand new brand new items yeah, so, so we do a, we do over 70 baby showers a year wow that's unreal dude <laughs> that's you guys do retroactive baby showers oh, <laughs> apparently yeah, right. fullers need some car seats um but so well, i heard you're having another kid this year so maybe jokes on you i would love to find that you guys are kevin kid number that would be hilarious no, no. Three, be three is plenty for us oh goodness abstinence is the key <laughs> i've heard oh, right. i've heard seven kids is more fun but it's okay um okay. We'll, so we'll see in a year. Oh goodness! <laughs> um, you know, so it sounds like you guys come alongside these moms. You know, when the baby's born, it's not the the, the typical Christian ostracize of you know because obviously Paul and I both agree with this, and we know you do as well. Right. Where it's the, the baby's not the sin; it's the sex outside of God's plan for marriage. That's right. the sin. So you guys celebrate the baby, you celebrate life, you set these moms up with bent tours. Um, but kind of going into the political sphere a little bit too, with that thought process in mind, because I know you were in politics too. Um, you know, in today's political climate, I've seen a lot of people have said things kind of like this. And one was a very high profile. Um, he's a pro-lifer and he's a big time artist. Um, but I actually read this on his story and I started diving into it. I read a lot of more Christians who were at platforms were saying the same thing where they say, I'm a pro-lifer, but I had to vote Democrat this year because although I agree with how uh, because I disagree with how the left side handles the issue. They are at least pro-mom and pro-life afterbirth, where it seems like Republicans are the right side, which a lot of Christians fall into, just care about the baby in the womb, and that happens when the baby comes out. How would you, as okay. a Christian, respond to this idea or this statement? Wow, that, that's 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 well, that's, that's, a, that's, off, not yeah. hold, that's not holding anything back there. <laughs> well, that's yeah, the question. Well, well, I, I, I don't know how to answer that one. You know, yeah, first I would I would. I, I could not disagree with that statement more. It, and, and here's why. The, the reality is uh, no one is adopting or fostering more kids than Christians. No one is, is stepping up for single moms more than Christians. Uh, Planned Parenthood, abortion clinics aren't throwing baby showers for anybody. Uh, go look at the numbers. They haven't thrown one baby shower. Uh, and so, so the argument that, uh, well, you're just pro-baby, first off, yes, I, I am pro-baby, 100% pro-baby. I'm not going to apologize for that. Uh, second off, arguing that all we are are pro-baby 
it, there may be a handful of people that, that fall in that camp, but the vast majority of, of Christians would say 100%. And we see it every day. We've had, we've had Christians that go to uh, churches, local churches here in our community that we have reached out to and said, we have a, a young mom, a young woman that is pregnant and homeless. And they have taken her, her, they've never met her, and they've opened up their home to her. Mm. Uh, they, they, they've taken her in and loved on her, and she's become their, their family. And she got to see, this is what a mom and dad looks like mm. in the same home. This is what a husband and wife can look like in the same home. This is what it's like to have a cookout with friends and family. And this is, we've had, we had a patient, uh, the Lord saved her inside of a life group at a church that she wasn't a part of after she dropped out of our parenting classes. Wow. But because of that relationship with her mentor, the mentor did not give up. And so even though she dropped out of our parenting classes, she, she didn't receive a baby shower from us, but guess what she did receive uh, in that small group? She received salvation and a baby shower. That right. small group <laughs> at that church gave her a baby shower. And so that's why I get a little uh, frustrated when, because I think that's a cop out. And, and I think that it's a, um, look, th there is no party that is perfect. Certainly not. And I'm not here to, to, to be a sheep for either party. Uh, we have to be at a place as Christians where we make conscious decisions on who we're voting for. And we're all going to justify what that looks like. But, but throwing, I, mean, I had a conversation with a guy one day when I told him, uh, what I did. And he was like, well, y'all aren't though just pro baby are, you know, I was like, first off, why would you lead with that? Uh, <laughs> second, second, that, that you're, you're using a very broad brush to paint an entire movement that literally, I mean, when I go to conferences for pregnancy centers, I am, I'm 36 years old. And I, when I started in this work, I was 30 uh, in, in the pregnancy center world. And I was by far the youngest, literally the, the conference, uh, organizer came up to me at my first conference and looked at me and said, why are you here? Now they didn't do that in an offensive way. They did that because our movement, the pregnancy center world is ran by mostly women that are in their fifties and sixties. And they have given 30, 35 years to this movement. Mm. And, and so I, I, I get offended when people want to go after them because I'm, I'm going, they, they could have done something else and made more money. Uh, they're doing everything that they can. And if you combined all of our budgets of pregnancy centers across this country, it wouldn't even equal up to what Planned Parenthood receives from the federal government. Mm. And, and so it, it's not we're doing everything we can and we're making a difference. And, and, and we're seeing a decline in abortions and we're seeing uh, families step up and do what like what Beth did and others are doing. Uh, and so for, for me, just simply saying you're just pro baby. Uh, I don't think that that's a uh, well thought. I think it sounds good and, and it looks good on a bumper sticker and it, and it sounds good on the campaign trail. And it, it allows for people to, um, in my opinion, kind of give them a way out to go a certain way or a vote a certain way. Uh, but I think we need to wrestle with that more. Uh, if we believe that, that every child in the womb bears the image of our God, then, then we can't just sit idly by while 3,000 babies are aborted every day. We just can't. Right. If that's what we believe. If we don't believe that, then okay, you can, you know, you can try to justify things all you want. But but for me, every service that we provide at Hope is free. We don't charge a dime. Most ninety nine percent of the pregnancy centers in this country, that's how we operate. Mm -hmm. And 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 if the abortion clinics were truly about women, why are they charging money? Why are they charging insurance companies? Why are they taking federal money? You see, we don't do any of those things at, at the pregnancy center level because we believe this is a calling into our lives to transform uh, and, and be involved in, in our communities. And it gives us an opportunity to, yes, be pro-baby, but we're able to look at that mom and say, uh, we care about you. Your baby bears the image of God, but so do you. And nine times out of ten, you reach mom, baby's going to be fine. We know that. And so that's that's why we wrestle with that. But I'm, I, we're going to continue to celebrate um, that baby while we celebrate that mom in the process as well. Mm. That's yeah, that's good. So <clears throat> we definitely agree with you uh, 
with the made in the image of God. Oh yeah, and we talk about that all the time. We, we, yeah. we, sure, we covered sure. it in our episode thirty three for our listeners who forgot what episode it was. But yeah, we covered that in episode thirty three. Personhood theory. Personhood theory. With right? a, a, yeah. uh, oh, who, Nancy Nancy Piercy, I think was the author of the book where I we got a lot of so, that from. Yeah. But but uh, my, my question for you is, as a Christian who believes that we are all made in the image of God, how how as a Christian can I talk to somebody who believes that? you know, a, a baby is just a fetus. That's a clump of cells. How, how can I mm. approach somebody that has that mindset? Sure. Yeah. My, my biggest thing, and I, and I wrestle with this a lot. I mean, I, I it, it, all my beliefs and, and uh, thoughts on this, I mean, I have, I've argued with myself and, and I've debated people, uh, but, but my biggest, the thing that I keep coming back to is every person that I've ever laid my eyes on, Every single individual, whether they're in the drive through line or they're at Dollywood or they're in the, my vehicle or they're in somebody else's vehicle or they're my own kids, every person I lay my eyes on bear witness to the fact that life begins in the womb. Mm. You see, when I see people out here on the street, I don't look at them as a clump of cells. Now, technically, I guess they are. Uh, they're a blob of tissue. But... But everybody, no matter if you're pro-life, pro-choice, or somewhere in between, the very existence of you points to the fact that life begins somewhere. And we all have the same story. Whether you had good parents or crappy parents, you grew inside of a belly. That is just <laughs> the, the fact. Uh, and, and so we know that, and, and we're not denying that. And, and so to say that that, that that is something else, is it to me is an, not just anti-gospel it's anti-science it's, right. science has shown science to me has caught up with psalm 139 so you know you formed my inner parts you needed me together in my mother's womb science proves that out you know with, with what we can see on ultrasound now my kids went with us to uh, every time we would have a, another pregnancy they would come with us to the, the older ones would come with us to the ultrasound and at no point did they question what was inside of their mom mm. Not because we were brainwashing them, but because they could see it with their own eyes. We have 3D <laughs> images now of that's my little sister. Mm. You know, and so now you have a generation that's growing up of seeing their siblings on their refrigerator. And, and that's changing things. Or you can do a quick Google search. Hey, this is, you know, what, what's it look like? What's a baby look like at six weeks in, in the womb? Or, or we've even had patients come in that have literally said to our nurse, when you start this ultrasound, if I see a blob of tissue, I'm going to walk out of here and get an abortion. If I see a life, I'm going to have this baby. And there was, when we hear that, we're like, okay, the, she's going to choose life. Because when they look at the screen, there's no arguing what they're seeing. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why in an abortion clinic, they don't have big flat screens on the wall. That's right. why in an abortion clinic, they don't print off the pictures and hand it to the mom. Because they know. They know the difference that that makes. It's 86 to 90%. Of, of our patients that see an ultrasound choose life. So ultrasounds make a difference. And, and, and so when I see that, when I have somebody say, well, that's just a blob or it's not real, the, the harder conversation occurs, and we, we're seeing more of this, is, is abortion proponents coming out and saying, I know it's a life. I know it's an individual. I know it's a unique creation. And that doesn't change my mind. That's the harder conversation to have is, okay, well, then what do I do with that? They are admitting to the fact that, that it is a real human hmm. and they still are completely fine with, with ending that. I, I think the reason why we say a blob of tissue or, or instead of heartbeat, they'll say electrical pulse. We say <laughs> Wait, really? Because it, yeah, they don't, they, they don't call it a heartbeat that. anymore? Some of them don't. Oh my goodness. And, and the, the reason why they do that is because it dehumanizes right. uh, what the, the, the baby. Even if you remember a couple Super Bowls ago, there was a Doritos commercial. And Planned Parenthood actually came out and said that commercial humanized the fetus. Uh, and and the, what it had was the baby inside the womb, I think, did something when the mom ate a Dorito. Yeah. Oh, oh, it was and, uh, and the so, dad was eating the, and you see, you saw the yeah, baby like freaking like out that. inside the womb and shot out and, to get the Dorito so, or something. So they would say, well, that, that you're humanizing the fetus. No, we're, we're doing, that's a normal thing. Right. Like you don't, when, when somebody invites you to a baby shower or a gender reveal party, you don't go, what are we doing? 
you're that's just a blob of sales. No one says that. Right. When they tell you to wear blue or pink, because you you know what, do you think it's going to be a boy or a girl if we can still say that in twenty twenty one? You know, it, we we have a a the reason why people don't freak out is because that's a normal. Well, of course that's a baby. Of course it is. And 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 the question is, what do we what do we do with that? And then how do we how do we move the ball down the field? How do we have conversations with people about uh, what is happening in there? And then people will say, well, how do we afford this? Or she's addicted to drugs, or or she's in an abusive relationship, or she was raped, or this is you know. And, and those are things that we have to wrestle with. We have to wrestle with as a as a state, as a federal government, when it comes to finances, when it comes to fostering and adopting and abuse and all of those things. But the fact remains that's a that's an individual life that has never been created before and will never be created again. Right. So if we believe that to be true, then it requires something something of us. I used to hear in the pro life movement you'll hear people say, Well, you have somebody, you know, they told Tim Tebow's mom to abort him. And what if she would have? Look at all we would have missed right. with that not having Tim Tebow on this earth. And that's that's true. And you know, I'm a uh, Knoxville UT fan, and you know, other than his Florida years, great. Tim Tebow's a good dude. Oh goodness! Hey, we're, we're, this is Notre Dame country, so we hate everybody. <laughs> but, but the but the reality is, that kid in the state's custody should move me to do something. His life, her life, is just as valuable as a Tim Tebow's life, and 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 so we have to get to a place where we don't give value to life based on what they have accomplished 20 years after they were born right as soon as as soon as they were created at conception they have value and they matter and they require something of us and that's hard and, and it's tough and, it, and it, it, it's not an easy it requires sacrifice and and, and and tough decisions but but that's where I come at it from is it, at least be honest about what's happening inside the womb because science has even told us that and, and, and even from a secular standpoint, we can see that is a life uniquely created with its own heartbeat, with its own organs. They say it at seven to eight months, there was a study out of, I think, Kansas that said the baby can even pick up the accent of the mom and dad, which means when, when our babies were born, if there would have been a New Yorker in the, in the hospital, they would have known that's not my dad. <laughs> oh my, my dad goodness. doesn't have that kind of accent. Like, the studies have proven that. So if that's the case, we know that babies recoil from pain. We know that they feel pain. That's why if you go in and your baby needs surgery, they give it anesthesia, even though it's in the womb. Why would we do that? Because mm. doctors know they feel pain. Right. They know that. And so, again, that these are not things that we can just throw away. We have to wrestle with them. Hmm. So I have a, a follow-up of um, – of two questions. It's a two part question. <laughs> so, okay. uh, you know, I've, I've, I've done the life walks and I've protested the abortion clinics. Uh, sure. and the thing I've always struggled with, um, is one, is there more that I can do, um, uh, against the abortion clinic? But more importantly, the second part is how can I, um, minister, to the person that is thinking about getting an abortion or has already gotten an abortion as a Christian, um, who it's not my everyday life to be, um, you know, in a baby clinic or anything like that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm all about trying to help out and, and seek out where, um, where I can go up against the abortion clinic. But first and foremost, my call is, um, Christ's law is to love others. Uh, and so, uh, how do I do that and minister to those who are, um, who are thinking of having an abortion or who have had one and now are maybe regretting that? Well, I think it's important when we look at, especially post-abortive uh, men and women, and it is men and women. Not, I think a lot of times we, we forget about the guy that drove the, the female to the clinic or paid for it or the granddad that took his granddaughter. Uh, you know, th there, there are men that are affected by this as well. The post when, I, when I go to churches, when I talk to pastors, we have to fit in the reality that there are even if the, I don't necessarily believe this stat, but they, they say one in three, one in four people uh, are affected, directly affected by abortion. They, they would say one in three women ha have had an abortion. I don't necessarily believe that stat, but let's say it's true. That means that when a pastor is preaching, there are women and men in his congregation that, that are post-aborted. 
there are high school girls in his congregation that, that are pregnant right now, and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. And, and so, so we have to talk about it in a way like we talk about other things, that, that Jesus went to the cross for me on my worst day. And, and, and if, we, if we believe the cross covers sins, then it covers the sin of abortion. Right. Now, again, that's not watering it down. That's speaking the truth. When Jesus went to the woman at the well, what did he do? He walked up to her and he asked if she was married. And he says, that's right. And the man currently laying in your bed is not your husband either. He didn't water down the truth. He exposed the truth. He brought her out of the darkness to light. And he said, what you're looking for right here and in your life currently is going to leave you thirsty. And so what we have to show people as gospel people is we have something so much greater. And we may be struggling. We may have made some poor choices in our life. And they may be lasting choices that, that are going to affect us forever. And, and we're going to wrestle with them for a long time. But, but there's not a time that I go speak at a church where I don't have a 50 or 60-year-old man come up to me with tears in his eyes and say, 30 years ago, I paid for an abortion. 30 years ago, I drove someone to an abortion clinic. And, and I don't know what to do. And so with the fact that that 50 or 60 year old man is still dealing with the broken, he hasn't found the healing that he believes the Lord can forgive me of a lot of things, but I don't think he can forgive me of this. Right. Now, why would he believe that? Has he heard his pastor say things that's going to make him believe that? Has he heard Christian friends say things that are going to make him believe that? The best illustration I can give is a lot of times we find ourselves as Christians standing on the shore and somebody's drowning, and we say things like, uh, you know, kick your feet. <laughs> or, we're, or we're screaming at them and saying, how could you do this to us? Yeah. How could you run our last name down in this small town? Everybody knows us. We're respected, and you're going to do this? So when we say those things from the shore, and we're telling them how to get out of the drowning situation, we think we're helping, but we're really pushing them down further. Right. And what a Christian has been called to do is get in there, get messy. You're going to get scratched. You're going to get hurt. You're, you're going to, it's going to be hard, but we've been called to get in there and bring them something that's so much greater. They can only bring the peace that they're looking for. And that's the gospel. Amen. And so those are, those are tough conversations to have. And, and, but, but man, they're so worth it. And it's hard to love people because there's a good chance that that person that you pull out or that you take the gospel to, is going to find themselves back in that water drowning again next week right? or next month. Or for us at Hope, we, we may think we had a breakthrough, and then we see that young lady a year later with another unplanned pregnancy mm. from another man. Mm -hmm. and, and so how do we respond? What's our posture in those moments as Christians? And, and that's, the, that's the tough part. But loving people are hard. It's just it's hard. Right. And, 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 you know, that's what we have. We have animals at the Woodhouse. So I have, I have three dogs. We have two cats and we have a pig. Loving all of those animals are easy. Simple. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't ever talk back. They're just easy. <laughs> that's the main but thing. They, they don't the, talk back. They, they don't talk back. <laughs> that's right. But loving the people, loving the people in our lives, it, it's hard and it requires something of us. And it's, and, it, and it's messy. Right. And it may mean getting a phone call at three o'clock in the morning. It may mean seeing them back here nine months later it may mean that they walked out of our office after hearing from a a nurse practitioner and they still got an abortion mm -hmm. you know and so for us we have to do we believe the gospel can cover it do we want to be engaged do we want to be the vessel that god uses or do we want to just kind of throw in the towel and say it's not worth it anymore and sure there's days i'll admit there's days where i'm like maybe maybe i just go back and milk cows with my daddy and just, you know, just get live, it. live the uh, simple you know, life, the, man. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's those days for sure. Hmm. So I think we're getting close to laying the plane here a little bit. Um, but you know, I'm just thinking of our listener base right now, looking at the demographics and, and the, the age of people that listen and, and the biggest age group right now are between the 18s and like early thirties. I think 1835 is like one of our biggest listening demographics, right. yeah, which definitely. is the prime age of when, sure. you know, unexpected pregnancies happen or, you know, or, you know, there are guys who their girlfriend ends up getting pregnant or, or whatnot. Um, but if there's someone here listening right now who let's say they just found out they were pregnant 
or they're dealing with pregnancy scares or anything like that, and they're not sure what to do, could you give them a word real quick of just, just a word of encouragement of what, what, what would you want to say to that person who is struggling right now with those thoughts? Well, I would first speak to if, if there's a man listening and, and he has uh, found himself in a situation where his, his girlfriend or his, his wife or, uh, or maybe a one-night stand, whatever that looks like, is pregnant. The last thing you need to say to her is I'll support you in whatever you do. What that statement does is put all the burden of that decision on her shoulders. And, and what you're doing in that moment is you're Adam in the garden while Eve is being tempted and you're twiddling your thumb doing nothing. That doesn't mean it's not going to be a tough decision. It, what it means is you need to wrestle with it along with her. Uh, and saying don't become Pontius Pilate where you're just kind of, I'm going to wash my hands of this. You make your decision and I'll just support you. That, that's not really support. That is putting all the burden on them. Right. If you're a young lady and you find yourself in this situation, I would say reach out to – a pregnancy center in your area, uh, somebody maybe at your church, somebody within your circle of influence that you can talk to, that you can really share what's going on. I think a lot of times what happens in these moments is we go inward and we refuse to talk to anybody and then it just starts eating away at us. And, and, and what I would highly recommend is opening up to somebody. Don't be in denial about it. Talk to a medical professional, preferably at a pregnancy center, someone that's going to be honest with you and transparent with you at, about the decisions that are in front of you, because the reality is you have three decisions. You, you can choose to parent, you can choose adoption, or you can choose termination. And no matter what you choose, your life will never be the same. Period. Mm. That's and, that, man, so I never thought of that, but it's true. The, the, the reality is our culture would say, have this abortion and move on with your life. That's, that's not how this works. And, and you know how I know that's not how this works is even abortion clinics are starting to go, I don't know, maybe we need some kind of support group for these girls. Well, mm. why would you need a support group? Right. Why would there be lasting ramifications of this decision if it's just a blob of sales and it means nothing? Because they know. They know that there's lasting ramifications. And if you choose adoption, your life's never going to be the same. Right. And then it, as a parent, I know if you choose parenting, your life's never going to be the same. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so we, we know, we know that these are things that are going to be wrestled with. You're not the first one and you won't be the last one facing an unplanned pregnancy. And I know sometimes people are like, well, that's kind of harsh, but I, I think it does open us up to a place where we go. I'm not the only one that's been through this. When my mom, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. What was good for her was seeing other people and talking to other people that were diagnosed with breast cancer. Right. To know that she wasn't alone in that. Oh, uh, my neighbors have wrestled with that. My friends have wrestled with that. People in my life have wrestled with that. And I didn't know it. When I, we had a miscarriage after our first child. And, and when I opened up about that at church, it was amazing the amount of people that came up to me that I had no idea they had miscarriages. Mm. And they said, I never felt like I could open up about that. But now since you spoke about it in front of everybody, I want you to know that we had a miscarriage as well. And so these are things that we need to grapple with, but understand we're not alone in it. And, and, and for some of us, I think some of us listening, maybe you're not in a church, a local church. Maybe you don't have a, a group of folks that you can do that. Then simply give a call. You can call us, 865-525-4673, or you can call the pregnancy center in your area, and somebody will talk to you and, and walk you through that, pray with you. And, and check up on you. I mean, th those are the things that, that I would highly recommend. But I would also recommend if you find yourself in that situation. And I had a conversation with a, uh, with a young man just a few months ago that, that came here with his girlfriend and she was pregnant. And I sat down with him and I said, I said, do you understand what, what is happening? I said, the baby that's growing inside of your girlfriend right now has never been created before, will never be created again. And out of everyone that's ever walked the face of this earth, you've been chosen to be that dad. Mm. And that's heavy, but I think men need to be called to that heaviness right. and that responsibility. When I look at my kids tonight, when I go home, out of everyone that's ever walked the planet, I was picked to be their dad. And, and, and that's tough. And for some of us, we're going, yeah, but my dad was terrible. My mom was terrible. Okay, you have an opportunity to, to change something.
to break that cycle, to make, to go a different path, to go a different direction and, and be the mom or dad that you didn't get to have. Take that serious. It matters. And, and, and that ultimately is what's going to move the ball down the field. when We start saying, okay, this is important. This is worth my time. This is worth my effort. I got a lot of goosebumps <laughs> after listening to that one. You know, I, I was going to end it with that question, but I, I think what you just said kind of prompted another one in my head is, you know, for the church member who hears, uh, let's, okay, so I, I'm, I'm just thinking for the other listener base who, you know, they're, they're, they, they aren't having to deal with that, you know, like they're, whether they're married and they already have kids sure. or they're single or whatever, how should we respond as the church when, you know, a, whether a teenager, young adult, older adult, whoever comes out and says, you know what, I'm, I'm pregnant, but I, I'm not married or a dude is like, yeah, my girlfriend's pregnant. What do I do? What's the best way for a Christian to respond in the moment when that happens? When, and I even wrestled with this with my with my own kids. I mean, my, my oldest is nine, but it, it, it's not crazy to think that at some point my my son, my daughters are going to come in, and, and that's going to be a conversation. So, what what would that sound like? Uh, I think as a if it's one of your children, I think first and foremost, yeah, you say this is not ideal. This is not how we raised you. This is not what we taught. Uh, but the, what's done is done. And, it, and if you're not a parent or maybe you're a mentor, having that conversation doesn't have to be you screaming and throwing stuff and walking out. And I can't believe you did this to our family. You're, you know, you're no longer my daughter. Or you're no longer, you know, to me, that is, you're not, you're certainly not moving them in the direction to choose life. Uh, you're moving them in the direction, not only to choose against life, but they're also probably going to reject the God that you claim to serve. Mm. And so, and so if, if we, if we respond that way, when, when we know that our Jesus on the cross responded with God, forgive them for they know not what they do. If that was his response, then as tough as it is, and as, as anti-abortion as I am and as pro-life as I am, and, and as much as I, I've looked at it through, from every angle, and I can't, I can't even begin to see a need to go with an abortion. That's a biblical worldview. But I have to understand that when people are dealing with those struggles, even though I live in a, in a biblical worldview mindset, I make choices every day that are anti-biblical worldview. It's just that, that when, it comes to, when it comes to having sex out of wedlock and, and, and a pregnancy re- resulting from that, it's, it's the one sin that shows itself. So if you've got a kid that's coming into the youth group every day and he's addicted to porn or he's addicted to, to something else, you may not see that. He may be great. Right. He's doing all the right things. And then you've got a young lady, and every week that belly keeps getting bigger. And, and she might have had sex one time and one time only. But because that one-time sin starts to show you see the result of that and then that then comes the shame then comes the embarrassment then comes the uh the snowball starts rolling so have you created an environment within your home within your church that's going to let people know we are a grace people living in a broken world and in a broken fallen world since genesis 3 everything is fractured so marriages are fractured relationships are fractured that means that that i a young lady may get pregnant out of wedlock because of a, a, a bad mistake that she made. I have a, there's a, uh, somebody that I went to school with, and I remember it like it was yesterday. We were 14 or 15, and we were all sitting in class, and she said to the whole group of us, I'm going to lose my virginity this weekend with my boyfriend. I remember, because I remember <laughs> thinking, well, that's a weird thing. Yeah, to tell that's us. a weird announcement. Okay. Uh, and, you know, a few weeks later, oh, I'm pregnant. And so she ended up, we, we graduated together, but she had a toddler when we were seniors. Wow. And we, I could remember back to that night. You made a choice that night. And, and, and even though it was the one time, the first time, you still got pregnant. And so those are tough conversations. But again, if we're not creating environments within the gospel community to have those conversations, those, those folks are going to look for somewhere to find that conversation to find that acceptance, to find that, uh, 
to, to find that conversation. And what they're going to find is they're going to find that inside the abortion clinic, or they're going to find that with their atheist friend, or they're going to find that with the teacher that, that says, you don't need a baby right now. Or they're going to find that with a college advisor that says, you, you can't be a nurse. You can't get your nursing degree and have this baby. It's impossible. That's what they're going to be told. If we're not stepping in and saying, no, no, you can have your baby and your dreams. And I have proof. Here's a story. Here's someone that'll sit down with you. And, and it's amazing the difference that makes. When, when we even see it here, when our patients, we've done video stories with, with patients from the past. And we share that video with some of our patients. They're like, oh, I can do this. Mm. And, and I think within the church, sometimes we struggle. I even went into one church one time and a girl was pregnant. And she said, she even said it to me. She's like, I don't have a wedding ring on because my hands are swollen. And But people here think that I'm just popping out babies and I'm not married. And they, they say things to me. I'm like, well, that's a terrible, <laughs> that's a terrible <laughs> environment wow. for you. Uh, and my wife, my wife hasn't wore a wedding ring in, in I don't know how long because uh, of what pregnancy has done to her body and, and, and because of her line of work. She works at a vet and she can't wear the diamond ring at the vet, you know. So uh, but but they see her with four kids and they may think something about her. Mm. And, and we have to we have to create a place in us where we're saying even even when it comes to they gave their kids up for adoption. What a terrible thing to say. No, they, they chose adoption for their baby. And we should celebrate the fact that they did. Right, they chose because life. the other decision. Yeah, the other decision that they would have made could have been the death of that baby. Right, but they chose a path for that child. But but when you say things like you gave up, you gave up your baby. Well, that's a shameful thing to say. And so because of that, we created a, a an environment even within our culture where we have patients come in and say, I, "I'm either going to parent or I'm going to abort because adoption would make me a bad parent." but they don't see that abortion would make them a bad parent. Mm. These are real conversations that we're having. So we really got to be careful with the language that we're using, but truly the support system that's going to be there. Most of these patients that come through our doors, if they feel like they have some sort of support, they're going to choose life because they're going to feel like they're not alone, alone. So even if their dad is upset, even if their mom is upset, if they follow that up with, but of course we're going to be here for you. Of course, we're going to love you. Of course, we're going to love this grandbaby. That makes all the difference in the world. That's just unreal, man. Yeah. Like, like I don't know. Full and I are just sitting here thinking about all all the the conversations, and this these are conversations. You know, for for me as a youth pastor, like you know, I've I've always tried to prep my leaders in terms of one of these days we're going to have a kid who walks in and 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 says this. We got to be careful with what we say. Um, but at the end of the day, what I'm hearing you say is, you know, the church community, the gospel community is supposed to be one who, you know, loves just the way Jesus loved. And he loved to the point of going all the way to the cross for people who hated him. And, you know, at, at the end of the day for us as Christians, it sounds like what we're called to do is, you know, obviously point out not point out sin because obviously the, the, if someone's pregnant at the belly kind of points it out for them. Um, but we're supposed to bring truth, whether it's hard or, or easy into the light, but then bring the gospel conversations into that, no matter what happens. Well, and, and, and it's worth the effort. I'm, I'm telling you, it is, uh, to, to see some of these moms come in, even, even if they're drug addicted, even if they've been in abusive relationships, even if, uh, what they consider normal is so abnormal to us. To see them in parenting class get a glimpse of, oh, no, I can do this. I can really do that. I can be a mom. Or, or when I have conversations with young men about being a dad and to see the kind of the light bulb moment where they go, hold on, I can, I can do this. I can, I can allow myself to look past the changing of the diapers. And even if I, if I really think about it, I can allow myself to go, you know, it, it would be tiring, but how awesome would it be to be the one that child looks to at two o'clock in the morning when they're scared? Mm-hmm. How awesome would it be to, to say, yeah, I'll stay up with you all night if that's what it takes because you're mine. Like those are, those are the moments that I've had just of being a dad of going, yeah, this, this isn't ideal. This isn't something that I really enjoy. But if you need me to stay up with you all through the night, then that's what I'm going to do. Right. Uh, because we've been, we've been called to do that. 
And so getting some of these young men that haven't, haven't had that model for them, getting them to see what, what being a dad can really be like. Uh, and, and it's more than just shooting basketball with them when they're, when they're in middle school, but it's all the things in between. It's just a, a, an amazing thing. Or my daughter this morning going, Hey, let me show you the dance I learned at dance class. And she's four. Mm. And, 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 and taking the time to go, I need to get out the door, but my daughter really wants me to see this. So I'm going to see this. Right. Like ha- having those moments and letting these, these young people know to cherish those moments. Uh, and, and, and I think once we have those conversations and we kind of take some of that shame away, again, not watering it down, not, not saying that, hey, just go out and have sex with whoever you want to have sex with and we're just going to love you through it. No, not saying that. Say, there's an ideal here. There's, there's the way it's been planned, but remembering we live in a broken, fallen world. And sometimes things don't go as planned. And so what are we prepared to do when, we, when we're hit with the news of things that, that we weren't planning for? Do we just throw them out? Do we just throw them away? Or do we step up to the plate and take on the responsibility? And, and for mentors and for gospel people within local church, that means you're going to have to have some skin in the game. You may have to buy a car seat. You may have to take somebody into your home. You may have to foster. You may have to adopt. And, and, and so what are we prepared to do? Dude. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. No, we're... We're, we're literally speechless over here. Just, just listening to the beautiful story of, of what the gospel can do to change lives, Definitely. man. Um, we're going to put all the information in the show notes for you guys speaking to the listener. Now, um, we'll, we'll put all the information just about, you know, local pregnancy centers, how to find those. We'll also include links to hope resource center and the, and the phone number there that they can contact and reach out more. Um, but, uh, Andrew, could you one more time, give us the place where if someone wants to get information on, on where to go, where should the first place be they go? Yeah, I would say investinghope.com and you can, you know, you'll, you'll learn everything you need to know about what we're doing. Uh, and, and then, you know, you can find my contact information there as well. And then uh, if you have questions about maybe, maybe you, you're not really sure about the pregnancy center in your area, reach out to me. I, I know I'm connected with a lot of pregnancy centers around the country and I can get you plugged in and connected uh, to them as well. Uh, we, 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 of course, would love your support with ours in Knoxville, but uh, but we would also love for you to to step up and be involved in the one in your community, uh, so you can, can so you can see it firsthand. We we'd love for to, to help point you in that direction. I love it, man, man. I love it. So yeah, well, again, we'll put all that information in the show notes. Definitely, man. Thank you, Andrew. We definitely appreciate you uh, taking the time and coming on here and talking to us and talking to our listeners. I could probably listen to you talk uh, all night. So <laughs> yeah, we're enjoying well, I, it, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate in- that. Uh, I could, I could listen to me talk all night. But, uh, <laughs> See, there's the, there's the real proof that you are a preacher, yep. man. <laughs> I love it. Well, Hey Andrew, before we let you go though, man, we're going to let you be a part of the best part okay. of the show. Not this week, all the other weeks, but you know, we <laughs> always end the show since episode one. Actually, I didn't even tell you this part. Um, how, I mean, we'll, we'll do the little jingle in a second. We got to do the jingle, but, uh, the first fun fact with Fuller we ever did was episode one and I sprung it on Fuller. It was all by pure accident. It was just like, Hey, Fuller, do you have a fun fact to close us out? And he was like, uh, he's whipped one out real fast. And so we've been doing fun facts with Fuller now for over a year and a half. Yeah. And then about six months ago, we, I I did a jingle with, um, you're, you're about to hear it. That's my two girls, uh, and my wife doing a little jingle here and it just makes me smile. And, and, uh, I get the biggest, biggest smile and joy joy in my heart ever when I hear it. (laughs) I love it. All right. Time for fun facts with Fuller. Time for fun facts with Fuller. (laughs) (laughs) That last laugh, bro. The last laugh always gets me. Fuller, what you got for the fun fact to end today's episode, man? What you got? You know, we, we use our brains a lot. Well, I don't. You do. Okay. Well, me and Andrew use our brains. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So did you know, uh, Mark and listeners and Andrew, that your brain uses 12 watts of energy to think and does not feel pain? The brain uses 20% of our resting metabolic, met, uh, I can't even say it today. Apparently Meta- you're not using your brain today. Metabolic <laughs> calorie rate to keep, us, uh, keep functioning. It does not feel any pain because there are no pain receptors in the brain itself. Wait, what? There's no pain receptors in the brave itself. Huh. But, I mean, obviously your brain 
get signals from the rest of your body. <laughs> so you just think your brain feels pain, but in reality, it's your body that feels pain that tells your brain to recognize, oh, right. I'm in pain. Correct, correct. That makes sense because there's those people who suffer from like those, uh, I don't know what the, the, the nerve problem is where they've, they, can't, they feel, can't feel pain. Right, exactly. Or can't feel cold, like heat, um, cold, anything like that, extreme. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting about the brain. That, I, I knew about the, the watts, but I did not know about the pain. God, God made our little three-pound brains pretty fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Well, hey, Andrew, dude, we appreciate you so much for coming on the, yes, uh, the so episode much. today, man. Well, thanks for thanks for having me. I really appreciate y'all, and uh, and just glad that there's dudes out there that care about Jesus and, and seeking to to make a difference. So y'all keep it up, man. Hey, appreciate, appreciate it. it. Well, hey, all you guys out there in listener land, man, we want to continue the conversation with you guys. So if you're at a spot where maybe you're wrestling with some of these conversations, or even some of the questions that we've had, or you find yourself at a spot where you know what, Mark Fuller, I need help. Seriously, feel free to reach out to us. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. You got the website, RealtalkChristianPodcast.com. Call us at 574-400-5352. The email, RealtalkChristianPodcast at gmail.com. And just a reminder, we'll give whoever emails us first a mini swag bag with some coffee in there. That's correct. And uh, again, if you um, can't find Andrew's uh, information, uh, through our show notes, go ahead and give us a contact and we'll, we can put you in contact with him or with a uh, pregnancy care center around our area, depending where if you're in our area or not. Yeah, definitely. Well, hey, Fuller, it's been real. Andrew, thank you again, man. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Until next time, guys. Take it easy.